All right, again, we need that song. We need money, 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 <laughs> money. You keep saying it. You're not doing it. You got to do it. We need well, like I a find the copyright to it or or get the uh, special permission for it so we can. All right, this is Show Me the Buddy Club live with Sergio and myself. We have some special guests that will be on in just a few moments. Uh, but first off, Sergio, how you doing? Great, man. How about you? The rains are uh, over. We didn't float away. All my windows leaked, but other than that, we're good. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, you know, the kids were sick for a little bit, but they're getting better. Bills won on Sunday, and uh, that was nice. So they're going to the divisional playoff game against Cincinnati, which was the uh, original Monday night football game from a couple of weeks ago where uh, that was delayed and then canceled because of the whole DeMar uh, Hamlin situation and all that. So... Uh, it's kind of like a little rematch, but it's going to be a real good game. So go Bills. All right. Yeah. So let's run down uh, real first what we're going to be doing, what we're going to be talking about. So we have special guests coming on. Uh, they'll be on in just a couple of moments. Uh, we have Jeff. We have Zach from Zach's Drives Fast, as well as Kim from Kim's Side Money Plans. And they're going to be talking about food delivery, what's going on with DoorDash, Uber Eats, all that good stuff. Uh, and then after they're done with their little segment, which is going to be about 25, 30 minutes, uh, then we're going to go into uh, some other segments that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Lyft and Uber needs to fix some of these problems. Uh, we had a problem and an issue before. They fixed it on the Uber end. Uh, hopefully they're listening, but there's a couple of things that definitely need to be fixed out. Um, they're also going over the uh, Smooth Cruiser report, which is a thing from Lyft. <laughs> uh we'll get into my thoughts on that right when uh, uh we get to that segment uh again more lowball offers they're becoming actually pretty ridiculous which is uh insane so again that, that's, that's that whole whole thing right there decline garbage and know your worth uh these lowball offers we're going to go over some uh also we're going to be talking about drivers are at a breaking point all over the country something going on in minneapolis we're going to be watching very closely and then um we're also going to be talking about some issues with the Uber Pro debit card, some fraud, scam, and something going on with the card itself that we're going to share with you. And then also, we're going to end the show on some funnies. Yeah. So it's going to at least liven it up because, you know, the one before that with the scam and some of the changes is probably going to put a little hamper on how things are. So we're going to end this show on a high note uh, and enjoy that. And we want to give a special shout out and thanks to today's Video, today's sponsor and that is going to be legal rideshare and as a full-time gig worker you've probably heard the or you probably had the unfortunate experience of being involved in an accident so if you have the lawyers at legal rideshare they've helped drivers like you and they put million of billions of dollars in their pockets for their car accident and injury claims if you want to learn how just make sure you visit the link in the description and you can learn there yep and we're going right. to have we're going to have Brian on next week. So yes, yes, I'm actually looking forward to that because yeah. uh, you know that's that's one of the big things. The more you're out on the road, uh, whether it's food delivery or rideshare, you're putting a lot of miles on your car, uh, and obviously more so with rideshare. Uh, but it's it's good to kind of know what you should do, especially in the event something happens when you're out on the road and you know in an accident, you might not be thinking clearly. Things might be all discombobulated. Uh, hopefully, first off, everybody's okay. But in the event, uh, you should have the steps on what you should be doing. So 
he's coming on next week and uh it's going to be real interesting so if you have any questions there make sure yeah. you put it in the comments make sure you put in the live chat whatever it is uh so then that way we can uh, relay that to him and see what we can talk about so let's get All into right. today's uh special guests we have kim jeff and zach zach uh may have some computer issues uh so he may be in or out uh, he actually just disappeared in the back end, so hopefully he will be on with us. Oh, but no. <laughs> uh, if not, uh, at least we got Kim and Jeff on. So you may know Kim from Kim's Side Money Plans. You may now know her from the Rideshare Guy as one of our newest contributors. Uh, she's been doing uh, pretty much some gig work uh, regarding Spark and then multi-apping uh, when it comes to this channel and then her channel as well. So Kim, welcome. How are you? Hi, everyone. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Uh, thanks for joining. Zach, I see, is back, but we're going to go to Jeff real quick first. Jeff is uh, also a delivery driver, um, and we're going to bring him on. And again, if you want any more uh, information on their channels, Substack, uh, it's all going to be in the show notes. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for coming on. And then lastly, we got Zach back. Uh, so, Zach, welcome. How you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you guys? Good. <laughs> All right. So Zach's had some computer voice, issues, man. so he might be in and out, but uh, uh, hopefully it won't be too bad. So, all you right. Know, hey, Harry is here. You know, Harry is here, right? So, hey, Harry, how are you? <laughs> What's up, Harry? <laughs> all right. Okay. So, um, so we're going to, you know, I mean, I, I would go through the list. Okay. Kim, Zach, and then finally Jeff. Um, you know, shortly introduce yourselves, what you guys do, not obviously for the rideshare guy, but you know, in the gig economy, what apps you use, how long you've been doing it, just a little short introduction. And then we'll get into, uh, Jeff. I mean, uh, I, I've read, you know, he's got a really good book. Okay. I, I suggest everybody go read it. And <laughs> there he's always watching. Big brother is watching. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, you know, he's gotten, it's on Substack. It's free at the moment. He's got a podcast as well. So I, I would urge everybody to go read it. You know, it's a reality check for a lot of drivers actually. Um, but it's today's gig economy. It is what it is. And you may not agree with him. There's a lot of truth in what he says, but we're going to all discuss that. But Kim, go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll go on into a little discussion. Sure. Hi, I'm Kim from Kim's Side Money Plans. Um, apps I use, um, I think I have 10. I just upped it this week. I joined two more this week, so I think I'm up to 12 at this point. But I mainly use DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, Shipt, Walmart, Spark as like my main apps. And then I kind of fill other apps in between there. I've been... I started part-time in 2018, and then I went full-time doing gig work in 2020. So I am a multi-apper. Um, I run several apps at the same time. So um, altogether, I think I have 12,000 deliveries under my belt, uh, 7,500 just on DoorDash alone. So, you know, those are all the apps that I work, and I'm from New Jersey, so here I am today. There you go, Zach. Beat that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, my name is Zach. I drive in Bellingham, Washington. I am activated on, I believe, eight different apps, but I use uh, three or four on a regular basis, those being DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub, and Spark. I come from a very customer-centered background, so um, I 
have dealt with people uh, most of my adult life. So it's kind of a nice change of pace to uh, be in the gig economy and be working kind of just for myself and uh, not really having to put up with anybody's rules but my own. Awesome. And last but not least, Jeff, uh, by the way, uh, as you may or may not know people, um, Kim and Zach, like um, Chris said, they're both our contributors and they put out videos. Um, I think they're very, very helpful, really. I mean, I think it, it's, it's wonderful work they're doing. Great job. Keep it up. And last but not least, Jeff. Yeah, actually, uh, Kim and, and Zach and a number of other people actually inspired a lot of this project because of the community that they built with their YouTube uh, content creation around the gig economy. One of the one of the really unique things about the gig economy is that it's the only it's the only task you'll ever take where they specifically don't give you any training information uh, or or uh, aid in your success. So uh, Kim and Zach are, are some of those heroes of the community that stepped up and and made it happen uh, in in the void that's left of the gig economy per, uh, purposely. As far as my background, uh, during the pandemic shutdown that we all enjoyed, I needed uh, money and, and didn't feel like the local opportunities were such that there was anything available within a short time frame. And I started dashing uh, to get that extra money and 5,520 dashes and two years later, uh, I finished dashing, but I have taken that experience along with, with my business experience and, and studied the DoorDash business model and why the things that I noticed while dashing that didn't make sense, didn't make sense. And it's, it's turned into a book named Full Dash Closure, like Full dish clo Disclosure, but Dash Closure. And it's the... Uh, DoorDash singularity, human exploitation by artificial intelligence. And what I learned after dashing was even more shocking than what I learned during dashing and being in this gig economy. So uh, right. I'm glad well, to share it with, with this audience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, as, as you may or may not know, um, we don't hold any punches here. So uh, look, everybody has their own opinions. We're here to inform and educate. Right. And then we're all adults. We're just going to make our own decisions to do this or not to do this. And, and we're not going to tell you to do it or not to do it. You have some very, very, you know, important things to talk about, Jeff, which we will get into in a second. But, you know, what I want is that I, I just want the audience to to make up their own mind. Uh, you know, to me, you have your valid points. I don't think gig economy is all bad. Obviously, it could be be a lot better. And Kim and Zach in their own videos, obviously, have talked about the lack of transparency and all these issues. But since now you're writing a book, you may have you may have dealt or, or dug deeper into the issues, which our audience may not be aware of. Right. So but from what I read, the first five chapters, it's a great read, by the way, people, you should go read it. It really is. And, um, you know, you're pretty negative on, on DoorDash specifically. Right. And your experiences seem like it confirmed that negativity as opposed to um, get rid of some of it. But at some point, you know, you said it yourself that you even did you did 5,500 trips or, or deliveries. 
and, and you did it for a reason. Obviously, everybody has their own reasons why they do it. And and so it couldn't have been all bad because I don't think it would have taken you 5,500 trips to figure out that this sucks, right? I mean, I've been doing deliveries for the last 800, and then I figured it sucked pretty much after the first 100. <laughs> but then you just kind of play the game that they want you to play, right? So I'll get into it a little bit about that, Jeff. Like, why did you keep doing it? Obviously, it could be monetary reasons. Again, everybody has their own uh, reasons to do it. And also, you know, what have you seen after you you finished your, let's say, dashing career, right? So, you know, you haven't dashed for a while and you dug deeper into the issue and then talk to, talk to us a little bit about those. So the, the challenge with DoorDash in particular, and there's a reason I focused on DoorDash. Number one, that's where my personal experience was as a, as a gig worker. I didn't multi-app or do any other apps during that time. It was all strictly DoorDash. Um, is they have a 60% market share. So I think, I've heard Kim and, and Zach talk about those things that, you know, sometimes DoorDash just can't be avoided. It's got the most volume of, of orders. And the, the problem with DoorDash is different than Rideshare. Rideshare, we know that model has been around. Uh, we called it a taxi once. We've called it many different things. But Rideshare is, is uh, one human transporting other humans. And this last mile delivery is a new type of work in which that standard doesn't apply. So that risk you were talking about of car accidents, the risks of basically everything go down a notch in terms of, in terms of significance. And DoorDash capitalized upon that by basically lowering their standards down to the most basic uh, driving standards and the tasks down to the most basic transactional tasks. But the problem isn't even there. The problem is it's not a real market. The entire DoorDash experience is a game simulation. And so when I learned over two years of dashing that I felt like my, my income was just being depressed over and over down every day, it seemed just that teeny, teeny bit harder to make money than it was the day before and the week before. Well, when you learn what DoorDash is, you realize that every single one of us is a market of one. What I am served by DoorDash as my offers is what I'm served. It's different than what Kim served. It's different than what Zach is served, even if we're in the same market. This is an AI system that is gaming us in addition to gaming the market, which is a limited market, right? DoorDash is not the internet. When somebody goes on DoorDash and goes to look for a restaurant, they're getting a subset of restaurants that are available through DoorDash. Now that sounds intuitive, but we all know about DoorDash's ghost kitchens, right? Well, ghost kitchens, are they fair competition if in Portland, Oregon, there's a 75 brand ghost kitchen next to your uh, local restaurant, is that fair competition as a restaurateur uh, for you to be on DoorDash or not on DoorDash when the entire market is polluted and misrepresented to somebody that might order from you? So DoorDash's model is not just a simulation for the driver, the dasher, it's a simulation for the merchant 
restaurateur, and it's a simulation for the customer. The customer is being habituated by DoorDash, and DoorDash's goal is to take customers and to get more customer share. Those few people that use DoorDash, they want to offer them more things, offer them package delivery, offer them this, offer them that, offer them a subscription, because that's how DoorDash makes their money. They get it by addiction, too. Right. Okay. Do you, Jeff, I mean, you said a mouthful. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give the floor to Kim and, and Zach to, to sure. talk a little bit about Okay, go ahead. Finish your point. Is that DoorDash the final, the final part of the simulation that matters to this audience more than anything else? Is that DoorDash controls at all times scrupulously both the supply and demand for drivers on the road? So. DoorDash sets a target amount that you are going to earn when you go on the road and you sign in that is dictated by an algorithm that can make 6 million predictions a second. So just because it feels like a market to you and it seems like the real world, it's not. You're being gamed. And since nothing is organic, by definition, it's fraud, right? They're defrauding you by deception and they're not telling you you're in a game world simulation when you think that you're making decisions about accepting and not accepting orders, but you're not changing the outcome whatsoever. So, right. I, so I apologize, Sergio. No, no, no. I, I, th I think I think those are very valid points. I want to hear um, Zach and Kim's opinions about that. But you know, while they're talking, you know, I'll, I'll ask this question. It gives you a couple of minutes to think about it. Um, you know, I, I do get the simulation part. I do. I do think there is a valid point there, just for the fact that. Um, you know, it's evident in rideshare. I mean, rideshare came before um, deliveries did. Um, that happens there quite a bit, you know, throttling, simulation, whatever you want to call it. But I have two questions for you. With with all what you said, you know, one question would be, why do you think DoorDash still hasn't made any profits, right? And I mean, if they're, if they, if they're this sophisticated, the simulation game is on, they're suckering people into accepting garbage trips, which stays on top of my head for the rest of the year. Um, why aren't they making any money? Number one, plus they're charging the restaurants with the ghost kitchen problems that you talked about, which I think is very valid. And, and the other question would be, why do you think there are one out of six U.S. adults are involved in the gig economy in general? Obviously, DoorDash being the biggest one, you know, they're delivering. I, I think I may be the only one that's not delivering for DoorDash. <laughs> but so those are the two things, you know, you think about it. So, uh, Kim, what do you think about what uh, Jeff is saying? You know, I think he has very valid points, and I did listen to his podcast, by the way. I actually really enjoyed them, um, really intuitive, um, and I learned a lot by listening to them. Um, you know, DoorDash for me is one of my number one money makers in my own area, just based off of the amount of share they have in my own specific market. And, you know, I think we all have our issues with DoorDash transparency, you know, some of their business models. I, I think we can all go on about what's wrong with DoorDash, but, you know, it's, once again, it's my number one moneymaker in my own area. So, you know, as much as the negative things I have to say about it, you know, I'm still making money off of it. Um, and it's one of my viable sources of income. So, you know, the negativity, I'm still making money. So as long as I'm still making money, I'm, you know, I'm just like probably a lot of drivers out there that, you know what, making money, I'm still going to do it because I'm making money while I'm out there. Right. How about you, Zach? Yeah. So like uh, Kim and Sergio, um, and I'm assuming Chris, I also listened to all five episodes. Uh, so 
you should really be an author. Like that was so well written that I think I understood the majority of the points. But uh, I told uh, my please feel free. Please feel free to uh, correct me if there's anything that I get wildly wrong. Uh, so I I think that we can agree on many things. Um, there are some things that I think we'll disagree on. And uh, ultimately, I think that uh, if, if we're going to talk specifically about DoorDash, I think that this is an experience that you make it. And if you allow yourself to be walked on as a driver and you're accepting, you know, two dollar and fifty cent orders, you know, two seventy-five, whatever, right? You are going to run your car into the ground, you're gonna have nothing to show for it. And you're probably honestly gonna be operating at a loss in the majority of cases. So it in my opinion, participation in the gig economy. Uh, a, a successful participation in the gig economy ultimately breaks down to the amount of time that the individual driver spends to, you know, takes to educate themselves. Uh, because I mean, like, like you've, you know, talked about it's there, there's a lot of games. There was uh, actually in the final, I believe it was in the uh, episode five, you had talked about um uh, DoorDash uh, giving drivers status symbols like badges and diamonds uh, and, and programs rather than monetary compensation, and that really struck home. You know, that, that was you know, home run uh, sentence as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it's dead on accurate. Like we're <clears throat> being asked to work for you know a, a fraction of what we should be. But where I do have to break with you is that we do have the ability to decline those orders. And um, I I try to educate people to know their expenses, you know, how, how much they're going to be um, actually profiting per order. Um, and, you know, make, make your decisions based off of that. You should know your market. You should know what's going on. And... Um, I preach multi-apping, so you never have to be stuck with, you know, just just one app and be at the whim of the garbage that they may or may not send you. So, um, Jeff, before you you, you know, answered the couple of questions, I mean, I actually, one other question that Zach brought up would be, why did you not multi-app? Like, as I, I know, I don't think you believe in multi-apping because I think they're all the same um, uh, from what I've read <clears throat> and and listened to you. So. You know those three things let's hit those three topics why why are you against multi-apping which we actually advocate and i personally advocate as a rideshare driver you should not just be on uber you should be on uber and lyft because they're just the only two but as we know the the gig apps have proliferated over the last i don't know three four or five years and and you know there's like kim says he's just got 12 i got nine you know i mean i use maybe three four like, like zach does but why didn't you multi-app and and you know the other two questions that I asked before before uh, you know uh, Zach and Kim spoke. So let's hear those. So so if we summarize. So I think Kim was saying why be negative when there's a lot of good out of DoorDash. Is that a good summary for the point you were saying, Kim? Um, not you know I don't I think there's a lot of negative, but I think it's just a really good source of income at least in my area because it actually holds a lot gotcha. of the market share. So even though there's a lot of negative having to deal with DoorDash, you know it's still a good source of income for a lot of drivers that are gotcha. out there. And 
to kind of Zach's point, I feel like DoorDash is what you make of it. If you, you know, and what, you know, these guys talk about every day, know your worth or know the orders you're taking and what you're accepting. That's how you're going to become and make profits out of the drives or the orders that you're taking. So, you know, those are kind of my key, key takeaways from DoorDash. Like that's kind of what I think of when I think of DoorDash. And, you know, also to Zach's point, you know, multi-apping, it's the best way, in my opinion, of really getting as many opportunities to earn money that you possibly can while you're out there working. Okay, so so nothing is presented by my by my intention as black or white monolithic. In fact, I even say in the book that you know monolithic stances really really don't make much sense. As far as people earning money. That is true. We do it to earn money. Now, the problem, which is in the book, is this. Uh, what is worse than being exploited by artificial intelligence? There's a riddle for you. What's worse is being exploited by artificial intelligence and not knowing it. And that's what's happening with DoorDash. So it's not whether DoorDash is good or bad, it's that DoorDash has not told the general public what it actually is, which is a market simulation, which is gamed, where they control both the supply and demand for dashers. So whatever you make is what they, what they have you make, because if they wanted to have you make more, they'd pull a few dashers off the road. And if they wanna have you make less, they call a few more dashers on the road. And they have so many dashers right now that they talked about it in their Q3 earnings call that they don't even need any more dashers so they can continue to depress wages and get more hours. And so the, the challenge that I have is that, that people are gambling their time and their risk of, they're using up the, the equity in their car, they're, they're using their car, they're using fuel, they're doing. They're causing themselves extensive expenses, especially especially if they're new and they're not well versed in the market, or what, if they're maybe just trying for a little bit. Um, it's not whether advanced or or uh, experienced dashers or multi appers can make money with DoorDash. It's what DoorDash does to the majority uh, of dashers that are on the road, which is exploit them. And a lot of them lose money on a dash. And, and if you look at the definition of an, individual, of an individual independent contractor, that means that it's, it's a single contract. You have that contract, you fulfill that task, the contract's over, you're now unemployed again. Now you have another contract. So DoorDash's game that they have played and, and driven us all nuts, it's called gaslighting is to coerce us into taking individual contracts one by one that lose money with the false promise that stars and bells and whistles and programs and marketing are gonna make up for it in heaven. There is no making up for it later. You can't take a money losing order and then take average orders later because the average orders and the money losing order just depress your overall average. And that's what DoorDash has done time and time again in the deception that that Zach talked about is their bait and switching uh, gamification, stars and bells and whistles for monetary compensation. They're, they're judging you by an acceptance rate, which is a joke 
because really everything that they're telling you is that you can rarely decline any order and their order volume is such that even if you do, it doesn't make any difference. So, so those deceptions are all insidious. And then the final deception, the one that of course I learned in my first week as everybody does is that DoorDash has data that they don't give you. They withhold data. Uh, some of us call it a hidden tip or you know hidden amounts that we get. They withhold known data while they sell you this individual contract. And then after you do the individual contract, they decide to either make you happy or sad. That's called intermittent reinforcement. And that's another way of controlling both your emotions and your behaviors. So DoorDash is lying to you, withholding information and gaming you. That to me makes this independent contractor agreement that we all signed with DoorDash very invalid. And I'd say the same goes for restaurants, the same goes with consumers. So again, it's not whether DoorDash is good or bad, it's what DoorDash actually is. Now, if I can right. step back for one second on AI, so artificial intelligence is everywhere. Is artificial intelligence good or bad? It's everywhere. If artificial intelligence is deployed for good, it's good. If it's deployed for evil and to exploit people in a gamified world like for DoorDash, I'm going to argue that that artificial intelligence was deployed pretty evilly. And I, I don't think DoorDash can actually stand the light of day of what they are. Yeah, you know what, Jeff? I mean, I don't think any of us are experts in artificial intelligence, unless you are. I don't think you are. But um, I, I think that's part of mainstream life these days. I think, you know, the cat's out of the bag and I don't think we can stick the cat into the bag. But where there are certain things we can do when it comes to DoorDash or any other app that, you know, I mean, the only, the best thing well you can do if you're not making money is turn them off and delete the apps and go do something else, get a W-2 or whatever you need to do, right? I mean, to me, it's become really evident now over the last couple of three months, actually, that all the markets are extremely oversaturated and, and that's due to macroeconomic conditions. And I think that's going to continue. And then if you're going to keep, you know, um, doing the same thing, expecting different results as a Dasher or as Uber Eats or whatever it is, you, you, that's the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing, expecting different results because tomorrow may be a better day. And these apps do sell you that. They, they, yeah, there is, you know, there is the light at the end of the tunnel, but that could, that could be the train coming at you in most cases. And then, you know, people go, oh, yeah, I made this much money. I made that much money. That's why we're doing the education series last couple, three weeks now. Because I think a lot of drivers are doing this as charity, um, to be honest with you. And, and they're just, you know, they don't know their bottom line. They don't, you know, they don't do, do enough work to figure out if they're actually profitable or not. Right. So to me, the important thing is, um, you know, Zach, you raised your, your, your finger there. You had something to say. You go ahead and say it. Yeah. Uh, so I've actually uh, got a question. And then I want to uh, talk about something quickly that I, I saw in my market. So uh, Jeff was just talking about how they're hiding uh, known information from us, uh, like tips. So it used to be with DoorDash that if an order didn't get accepted, that they would um, start to uh, bonus the, the pay, the base pay. And what I, you know, I don't know if this has uh, been a thing for a while, but it's the first time I've noticed it. Uh, the order started going up. So uh, something I had declined came back, you know, higher. And so I just assumed that it had been bonused. So when I accepted the order finally uh, and got it dropped off, the order had not been bonused. They just no longer hid the tip. 
So they ended up showing the full tip instead of um, increasing the driver pay. So, uh, you know, I, I think hidden tips are obnoxious. Um, I have a, uh, a question for you. Um, it's not a, a gotcha question. It's more I'm, I'm just trying to uh, understand your perspective. So you had talked about um, drivers uh, fulfilling a single contract at a time and then being unemployed. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I agree. I think I'd have to kind of give that some more thought and hear a little more about your reasoning behind that. But I'm curious, uh, with Walmart Spark, for example, right? Like you can you can do these stacked orders where you uh, where you take anywhere from like what is it, Kim? Like four to like twelve on average. Yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, you have all of those orders in the car, and you're doing them all at once. So, I mean, what what is your perspective? Is it is it the same same kind of idea, or like do you do you view that as one contract, or would you view that as like multiple contracts at one? I think batching is something that all of the different platforms do and is, is increased in, in DoorDash as well. That's simply just a, a single contract that has more than one, more than one stop. And it's, it's really just the, the definition of an independent contractor agreement is that neither party owes each other anything outside of the execution of, of that one task. And further, uh, as as the book details, DoorDash does not even claim knowledge of these people that, that are called Dashers in terms of its actual operations and finances. Dashers are an expense prior to net income on its 10K annual report. So, so to think and to represent to ourselves that somehow we have a... Uh, job that somehow continues between one individual dash and another is exactly what they want you to think, but that's not the case. And in fact, just to prove they 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 don't think it's the case, when your their car insurance, their car insurance uh, that they put on supplementally only applies from the time you pick up the order until you drop off the order at the location. It doesn't apply when you're in the parking lot, as soon as you drive out of the driveway uh, from, from the drop off. So DoorDash isolates that time in which it even knows of your existence to one little short period of time. And one of the, one of the things about artificial intelligence is it causes us human beings to, to give ourselves narratives to tell ourselves stories to somehow relate this artificial intelligence to the world that we know and the world that we understand because that's what humans do. And so here we are putting this story in our head that, that X is happening and then Y is happening and then I'm getting this and then I did this, where in fact, we're just this little piece of data that's rolling around in DoorDash and the only thing that they wanna know is the time from point A to point B. We don't, if. If DoorDash cared about your success, they would train you. If DoorDash cared about your safety, they would insure you. If DoorDash cared about your risk and your earnings, they would make sure that you earned an appropriate amount and they would track your expenses because they do have all that information. If they cared about your mental health, they wouldn't game you without your knowledge. They would tell you the truth that you're in a simulation, you're in a game, and we're going to allow you to make between 20 and $22 today, no matter what you do. 
If you think you're going to refuse all the orders, you're going to make 22 bucks. And if you think you're going to take all the orders, you're going to make 22 bucks. But, but Jeff, I mean, you know, I, I get your point on this, uh, except that, you know, I mean, look, first of all, we have a time limit on this, but I would love to have you back at some point, you know, sure. um, when you have more chapters out on your book. You know, it's a discussion that probably deserves more time. It's just that, um, you know, uh, you know, as a personal question to you, uh, why did you dash? I mean, why did it take you 5,500 orders to, to figure that this is so, um, you know, exploit, you know, it's exploitation. I mean, I do agree to a point that there is exploitation going on, especially now when there's so many people desperate for cash. Um, why did you do it? And then is, you know, finally, is there anything good that you see with the gig economy in general? You know, we're not talking about DoorDash now. We're talking, you know, you know, why are people doing this? Why do you think they are? I mean, are, are all 20 million people potentially who are in the gig economy, are they all stupid or do they have Stockholm syndrome or what, what's wrong with these people? What do you think they're doing it? Well, to some extent, dashing is a trap. Um, okay. Once you start doing it, it takes enough time and energy, just like any other job that looking for other jobs and doing other tasks becomes a difficult thing to do. And, and during the time that I dashed those 5,520 deliveries, I was not aware of the things that I've learned in the last half year of research that about the market simulation, about their uh, data strategy, about how they game and control dashers at every turn, regardless of what's going on, and how there's essentially two different realities, the reality of, of, of the DoorDash game where they're an omnipotent God. And then there's the game all these minions are playing. You know, Sergio, I think you called them ants once running around. So when I was doing it, I, I was fooled too because my perspective was as a dasher. Now, did I try and do the things that that Kim and Zach do? Did I try and maximize my you know order size and cut my mileage down and live in a good spot and be strategic? Absolutely, I did. Uh, but I did that, you know, all told over a 24 month period, about 16 months of it was was dashing out of that 24 months. So I did it. I did it for the money. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I, get, you know, I get that. I give you that. And most people, I think, do it for the money. Kim, you have something to say? Yeah, no, I just want to say just one thing real quick. You know, I agree and I agree with you to an extent about, you know, the AI and, you know, but DoorDash is to me they're as a company their main focus is how do i get as many orders delivered as humanly possible through the drivers but from a driver's perspective we have a choice right we have a choice to either decline or accept an order and whether we're profitable or not profitable depends on what orders we're taking as a driver versus the orders that we are declining and then at the same time if i want to stop dashing tomorrow I mean, it's my choice just to stop dashing tomorrow and move on to another app. So I feel like as drivers, we always have a choice to be profitable, make money versus not be profitable. And really, I understand maybe because I've been doing this for a long period of time. Like I understand some of the games that DoorDash plays, but you know, I, I go into it every day with why eyes wide open, knowing that they're trying to get as many orders delivered throughout the entire day, weeks, months, like that's their main priority focus as a company. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's a valid point. But I think, you know, 
Jeff has, you know, again, I, I read all five chapters. Please, everybody go read it. I think it's a really good read. It's very well done. Um, Thank you. You know, but I, I think what's, what is missing is in there, Jeff, is that I'm just kind of thinking 20 million or 30 million people. I mean, one in six adult American population doing this. They can't be all fooled by just this, right? They're doing it for one reason or another. Obviously, everybody's their own. But I'm thinking, you know, there's a deeper issue here. And that may be what you just said, that this gamification and we're all so used to it. And most people that are doing it um, are not aware of what's going on in the background. But I think, um, you know, the endorphin release every Tuesday or whatever it is, when, when the money hits your checking account, I think it's massive. And, and they do play, you know, they play the game very well. And, and I think but what Kim said is very true, though. You know, we as drivers or as humans in general, you know, we have a choice. We, we don't have to do it. We, we do it because we want to make money. Like my number one goal is, is, is to make the most amount of money in the shortest period of time. I don't give a rat's ass about Uber, Lyft, DoorTrash, Uber Eats, whatever it is. You know, to me, I'm in it for me. I'm not in it for you. I'm not in it for Uber. I'm not in it for Lyft. I'm not in it for the customer. I'm in it for me. Now, that's my personal opinion. That may not be everybody else's. But to me, it's like, again, why are 20, 25, 30 million people involved in the gig economy today? But I think, you know, I, I, I think I will have to have you come back. And, you know, in the next, you know, I'm going to give each of you one minute and, and explain or close. I know this didn't go as, as far as it should have gone, but, you know, give us a reason. Why do you guys think 20 million, 30 million people are doing it? Please don't say flexibility and freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, I'll go first. Um, I, you know, I just think that people are in the gig economy just because everybody has their own reasons why they need money. That's why we're doing it. You know, whether it's full time, whether it's part time, you're paying off debt, you're saving for a vacation, you're paying for your kids college education, everybody has their own reasons. And you know what, all these apps are a source of income for a lot of people out there. So I started uh, driving because I hated my manager at my W-2. So it, it was a personality conflict, and I decided that I wanted to start cutting hours back. And at the time, I couldn't afford to do that. So uh, being a custodial single parent, there were fewer options that I had that would work with my schedule. So um, ultimately, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the two bad words. It was you know, flexibility, right? Like I could work when I choose to work. I can hear Sergio like cringing in the background, but yeah, uh, at the end of the day, it just, it, it worked for me in the time that I'm available. You're muted. So I would say that, that a new way of looking at communication and work is here because of the smartphone and right now we have to be user beware because the innovations have been done by corporate america by organizations like uber lyft doordash and others and they have not done this development and innovation in managing human beings out of benevolence they've done it to 
make the most money possible out of markets. And they are making massive amounts of money. Each of the founders of DoorDash has $2.8 billion from founding the company. So it's really more of a case of if you use the gig economy, beware of your expenses, beware of the app you're using and know whether you're playing a game in which your outcome is, is rigged or know whether you have control of what you're doing and whether your decisions make any difference. Uh, that way you'll know as your wages change, as your conditions change, why they're changing. Are they changing because the omnipotent God of, of DoorDash made them change? Or are they changing because something in the market changed? So it's all about really uh, truth and information and knowing what we're doing, not just whether we're, we're doing gig work or not. How are we doing it? What's directing our activities? How are we being controlled? How are we being manipulated? And are we being deceived? Are, is there deceptive practices like withholding data that they have and we don't have? Because that's a fundamental of contract negotiations. Sergio, you're on mute. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. Uh, we want to wrap up this little segment when it comes to DoorDash and, uh, you know, food delivery, things like that. So uh, thank you, Kim. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, if you want to stick around, we got some more that we're going to be talking about within the show itself. Uh, if you want to get out of here now, uh, thank you again for coming on. Um, so just let us know what you want to do. And then uh, we're going to move on to our next segments. All right. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I have to get a video edited. So hope you all have a uh, fantastic uh, evening and a very profitable year. I'll catch you guys soon. Be safe. All right. Exactly. Hey, take care. By the way, you know, did you see Jay was here? Jay Crater? Yep. Did you see that? He says, yeah, he says I'm Sergio's favorite. Sergio's and... <laughs> <laughs> yep, I saw that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, if you're still here, how you doing? Yep, you are, Jay. Yes, you are. You're my favorite aunt. Always will be. <laughs> Jeff cannot replace you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, thank you guys for coming on. Appreciate that. So, like I said, we're going to move on. Now, I know uh, you might not be familiar mostly with, you know, rideshare, Uber and Lyft. A lot of the topics that we're going to be talking about is more rideshare related. But obviously, you know, just kind of our reactions, what's going through, uh, if you want to chime in. Uh, by all means, share your thoughts and opinions when it comes to it. Uh, my thoughts and opinions on DoorDash, uh, I, I'm right there when it's when it comes down to it. I don't like it uh, as much. I'd rather do Uber Eats. I've done Uber Eats. I don't like it. Um, and I haven't done it since, I don't know, a couple of years at this point. Uh, I'd rather go back and do some food delivery uh, for my local pizzeria that I was working at. So uh, with that being said, that's all I'm going to say about food delivery. <laughs> but uh, um other than that, let's get on. Um, so yeah, Sergio, we got some yeah. problems, right? Yeah. What do we got problems on? I don't know. Whatever, whatever you have on your computer <laughs> screen, pretty much oh, everything. Oh. <laughs> we have problems on everything. Okay, so um, you know, okay, this this problem is Harry. Are you here? I know you're not here. Um, <laughs> okay. So we talked about this upfront earnings thing before, like Jeff is going to enjoy this one. <laughs> so talk about doing work for charity. Okay. Now I am in it for me. I'm not in it for charity. 
Now, this is these, these are screenshots sent to me by drivers. And about a few months ago, a couple of months ago, Lyft and Uber on Rideshare both introduced upfront earnings. So meaning, you know, there is this black box algorithm that figures out 60 different things in a millisecond and throws you a for price. Now, it's your choice to take it, not to take it, just like DoorDash, just like Uber Eats, just like anything else. Yes, you are going to enjoy this wee zoom. These are your screenshots. So, um, so, so on this trip, you know, um, and 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 the vagueness, the language that these companies use is what gets me every single time, right? I don't know who writes these things. So on the screenshot on the right side, right, um, it says you always receive the earnings you were shown up front. Great, wonderful. Okay, take it or leave it. I like that part. Except that it says, unless there is a significant change to the right. Now, Lyft, Uber, if you're watching this, which I know you are, what is significant mean to you in mm -hmm. San Francisco? Significant to me in LA or in my brain is like five seconds. Mm -hmm. If I'm driving, putting my gas, insurance, depreciation, all that good stuff, and I have a passenger and I have a butt in the back seat. if a ride lasts more than 10 more seconds than it's supposed to last, I want to get paid for those 10 seconds. My time is not your charity. So, number one, here's the results on this one. This trip to WeZoom, our friend in LA, comes in at an estimated 18.18 minutes, 8 seconds, and it's supposed to last 4.96 miles. Well, guess what? Up top, we have the final results. The time that it took for this trip to finish because LA traffic is shit. It took him 24 minutes and 24 seconds. So literally six minutes more of his life was spent on this trip and about 0 0.7 more miles. Now, did the price get adjusted upward as it should? No, it didn't. I'm like, so that, and this is, by the way, Lyft says, oh, by the way, this only happens 2% of the time. Don't worry about it. I'm like, here's another one. This estimate for this trip was 20 minutes and 48 seconds. Well, this trip took 31 minutes and eight seconds. That's a 10 minutes difference there. I guess, you know, drivers, 10 minutes is not worth anything to lift. And here's another trip. This trip estimate came in at 32 or 33 minutes and it lasted 42. That's nine minutes. So just on these three trips, and these are basically the same day, by the way, the driver drove, you know, out of his pocket, 25 minutes under the old system of miles and minutes, which in the transportation industry, everything should be measured by distance and time. Well, these guys figured out the new wheel now. Well, we don't use distance and time. We use something completely different. We figure out all these things and give you a price. You take it. Well, I took it. I enjoyed the price. But then if it changes, you know, five, eight, ten minutes more, I'd like to get paid for it right? I'm on the clock. I'm driving your passenger. I mean, hey. So in this case alone, just these three rides, this driver spent an extra 25 minutes and didn't get paid. So Lyft, if you're watching this, we need to fix this problem ASAP. When mm -hmm. rides go even a second longer, I want to get paid. When they go a, a tenth of a mile longer, I want to get paid. Yeah, I'm not doing this for charity. So there you go. See, here, here's the thing. The reason why they want vague language like that is because then they can adjust it to their favor. They can't have, they don't have to be whole. They don't have to held their standards to your standards the same way. So on the flip side, let's say somebody puts in an address that's 
two, three houses away. And then you stop. They, they know that difference. That GPS marks you pretty damn close. So that few hundred feet or maybe that, that minute early, are they going to adjust downward then? And we've seen that before where they will adjust downward much quicker than they will when it comes to adjusting anything over that. And that's the problem. It needs to be, you know, something where we all know exactly what it is. So if you are, you know, a little bit longer, define a little bit significant longer. Wh what does that mean? That means to me, absolutely nothing because there could be a big detour. You know, you just had all those rains and everything that were going on. What happens if the roads washed out and you have to go all the way around and that adds time, but maybe the distance doesn't affect the same way. Let's, let's say the highway, let's say for some reason you were actually able to go on the highway at the right speed, but well, yet you couldn't have done that because let's say the highway was closed and you had to take the long way. The, the distance isn't going to change anything because maybe the road's right next to each other, but it could take a hell of a lot longer because you got to do all the stops. You got more traffic, yeah. whatever it might be. So how, how is that going to make any sense? And what def define yeah, but, significant, but, but, define these, yeah. these terms? Yeah, I mean, we need to find that threshold, Chris. We need to find the threshold of what significant mean. What does it mean? To them, it may mean half hour. I don't know. But I don't want to find this out by trial and error. I don't want to <laughs> drive an extra half hour and then figure I'm, oh, I'm not getting paid for this one. Okay, why is that? Oh, because it doesn't meet your threshold of significant. I don't know what that is. And I think it's, it's, it's time we need to stop this. This is BS. By the way, Kim and you dashers uh, out there, please check on Uber Eats. Please check your front screen to the detail screen. The mileage is quite different on pretty much every single trip that I've done over the last 800, by the way. Um, so, yeah, check it. Check it. Do you do Uber Eats, Kim? I do do Uber Eats. I haven't okay. noticed the difference. Oh, please do check it. Please do so. Because in California, we have Prop 22, and I'm working on that article um, for, for the longest time now. Uh, it's quite different. They're undercutting pretty much on every single trip, half mile, sometimes two miles. So uh, check I'll your trip. Pay attention. Yeah, please do. Yeah. So track your mileage. Yeah, track your mileage. Yeah. Yeah. Kim, um, Kim, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, I feel like not just Lyft, because I, I don't do rideshare, but I feel like all of these companies put like that really small print and that really small print, some, it, most of the times it's never to benefit the driver. It's always to benefit whatever company. It's I feel like it's their loophole to whatever they're trying to achieve on their end. It's never to benefit the driver. Yeah, I, I, but you know what it is though. If, if I knew, if I knew what, uh, what significant meant, right? In their world. Because time is money for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, 25 minutes is a lot of time. We're not talking seconds here, right? This driver in three single rides, it was a 25-minute difference. So just to figure that out, under the old mile and minute rates, this driver should have gotten paid close to about nine more dollars for those 25 minutes. That's a lot. I mean, you can't take that money. And, and, and to me, it's like the solution has to be you know, come clean and explain to me what significant is and what a lot is. Once I understand that, then I'll figure it out. Then I'll kick the passenger out exactly where I'm supposed to. <laughs> and then that'll be the end of that. No, I mean, I, I, to me, it's like, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. Right. So, Jeff, do you have a, do you have any, a quick comment to say on that? 
Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's kind of the same as it is for DoorDash, which is the only rule is there are no rules. Um, yeah. The challenge that we have with the gig economy, with this new paradigm of, of work that's doled out to us via a smartphone and, and via an app, and you know, the nature of the app is to limit your view of the world only to those functional aspects that are in that app, right? And so when you are given either incomplete or incorrect information on that app, the consequences are obvious. You must act now on that incomplete or incorrect information. So these lack, this lack of specificity that, that Chris talks about, you know, more or less or higher or lower, these are games. And, and I don't think the companies even know themselves. They're just gaming on a day-by-day bit by bit business, experimenting on us like lab rats, doing whatever they want. And the bottom line is there's no public utilities commission that applies to that applies to gig gig companies. If the omnipotent gods of DoorDash or the omnipotent gods of Uber decide to make things different happen, who's gonna stop them? Yeah. Who's gonna well, know? I mean, that's 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 I no, I get that I get your point, Jeff, but I think I think everybody's time is valuable to themselves because if i stole 25 minutes from the lyft ceo's life i think he would bitch about it because his time is worth maybe you know for those 25 minutes a couple thousand dollars but to this driver it's worth nine dollars and nine dollars adds up over time and every time Mm -hmm. you do this you know we need to so lyft we need to nip this in the bud we need to get we need to be done with this shit. okay so i dare say that that the gig economy was actually created to steal laborers time and use their resources without compensating them. So I think it's working. That one word that you used that I forgot to use, you know, Jeff calls this labor laundering. I like that one. Yeah. On this, Mm. in this case, my, we zooms 25 minutes got laundered. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something like that though. But uh, you know, when it comes down to it, the, the whole thing is it's, it's definitely working for their favor and, you know, keeping those terms loose like that, it's it's a double-edged yeah, standard, uh, right. essentially what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, but, right. you know, let, let's let's take it one step further. Right now, we, we just went over, you know, these, these significant things. They know exactly what's going on. We've seen them talk about it before. Now, let's talk about what is this smooth cruiser report that is coming from Lyft. Yeah, so essentially... I, I, I got this in my app again. I mean, you know, we're on Lyft today, right? I... I... You know, this is something that that I dreaded, but then I guess we'll have to go through this now. All right. right. So, uh, yeah, I'll go. Th- I'll go through this real quick, and then, um, you know, kind of give the breakdown, and then my reasons why Sergio and um, Kim and Jeff, you want to chime in as well. Uh, but yeah, the Smooth Cruiser report. Basically, what it is, it's going to take your phone and turn it into a sensor to how you drive. Uh, it's very similar to the progressive thing that you plug into your car so it can read all of that data in terms of, you know, fast start, slow start, um, how you drive, if you're, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, it's basically tracking every step of the way. Um, so basically what they're doing is you have to complete 20 rides to see your report. This is kind of like a game, too. It's like, oh, you want everything to be in the green because they're going to put it in a visual stunningly way. It's going to make it seem like, oh, if if you start too fast, you're going to see red and you got to fix that because otherwise you won't. Uh, that's what it comes down to. But when you when you're going to go to this dive deeper thing, so it says, like, will it affect my ratings, driver score or account status? No, it's not going to. Why is my smooth score different from my driving score? 
uh, driving score is calculated using your cancellation rate and different types of rider feedback. And the smooth cruise report is using data from your phone while you give a ride to calculate the score. How often does the score change? You need a minimum of 20 rides to see and the smooth cruiser summary uh, and each of the three criteria may potentially change daily depending on how much you drive. Uh, it resets at the beginning of every month and then says, I can't see my score, I need to give 20 rides again. Uh, sometimes they reset it. You have to give a minimum ride. Uh, you don't agree with your score. Can you contest it? Uh, if you see your score change and you don't agree, keep in mind that the score is based on the average of each smooth driver factor of the drivers in your region. Practice smooth driving habits. So this is not only taking your phone, but it's also pitting you against other drivers that are in your area. What else yeah. uh, do you use these scores for? We don't use these scores to determine your eligibility to drive. Our goal is to give you access so you can practice smooth driving habits on the platform bullshit. and improve your experience. Right there, bullshit. You know yeah. what this is? You know what this is bullshit. for? This is so they can go to their insurance company and say, hey, look, these are how our drivers are driving. We are trying to train our drivers to drive better and drive smoother so we, we accelerate slower and we brake smoother. And we want to try to make drivers... Now, I don't have a problem with drivers being being safe. That that's the way you should be. But I'm not. I don't give a shit about that score. I'll never even look at that score. Uh, they can they can chime and chirp and do whatever they want. I don't care. I know how I drive. I drive good. And you know what? Here's the thing. There's so many factors out on the road that a sensor and a phone is not going to be able to determine what actually had just happened. And maybe you had to swerve. Maybe you had to to brake hard. Whatever it is, there's so many things that are happening on the road. And taking that score is absolutely meaningless. So drivers, do not fall for this shit. Trust yeah, me, do not I fall mean. for it. This is another one of their tactics, trying to get you to drive better. You should be driving safe already. If you're yeah. not driving safe, go do something else. I mean, you should be a safe driver nonetheless. Uh, this is just basically the back end is so that they could save money on their insurance when they yeah. have to get these when they have to get in the insurance for these rides. 100%. I agree with everything you said. I'm going to just sum it up. Big Brother is watching. So there you go. If this is not Big Brother watching, I don't know what it is. And and a lot of drivers, by the way, that I talked about this, they said their scores are horrible. They're like 20%, 25%. They all, they're all asking me, am I going to get deactivated now? I'm like, uh, not according to what they're saying, but then if you can take it, take their word for it. You know, so next time I do 20 trips, I guess I'm going to have a score thrown at me. Like, you know, you break hard and you turn fast and you do this so mm -hmm. see him that's why you do delivery you don't do right here you don't have any of this <laughs> garbage in the, in the delivery yeah. world you can drive as fast as you want and it's all yeah i always I, you know i was thinking i'm like wow this is a little too big brother for me but then i was thinking i feel like it's the cynic in me thinking okay are they now going to use that i mean i don't know lift at all but are they going to use it to say, well, you're not going to get like this type of ride or this type of ride because we have this information oh. on you. And I'm like, Ooh, Potentially. I don't know. Here's the thing. This is something that we, we got wind of, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half ago, maybe actually longer. I don't remember, but Lyft was doing this thing where they were scoring drivers and it would score you based on factors, whether you touch your screen while you're driving, whether you had an iPhone or an Android, uh, if your phone was, in, you know, actually um, mounted or if it was just laying there, they would exactly. actually score you on this. And essentially, I think that's kind of what this has evolved into now is that driving score. So yeah. they're, they're using the sensors within your phone. 
to be able to determine how you drive. So then they can go back again to try to save money on their insurance. And essentially that's, that's really what it's coming down to. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's the other aspect of it. Yeah. Could yeah. they potentially then give you more or less rides? Well, that's what they were talking about when they were scoring drivers. If you met certain criteria, the, the thing was you could potentially get 20% more rides than the average based on that criteria, whether you could control those factors or not. Again, like I say, they were looking at phone type. You scored higher if you had an iPhone versus an Android, probably because of the sensors in the phone at the time. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, new Androids are coming out with the same type of sensors. So um, has that changed? Probably. And are they probably doing it in the back end? I wouldn't doubt it. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it either. And I wouldn't, you know, uh, everything they say that, oh, it doesn't mean anything. We're just collecting data for our own purposes. I'm like, you know, I, I'm not your data source, buddy. Go collect it from somewhere <laughs> else. Why don't you go collect it from your 6,000 employees, how they're driving when they're doing this, right? So I'm like, yep. you know. I go like I have enough already on me. Like you know, you're watching me. The app, you know, this is this is the counter argument of all the people. I don't have a boss. Uh, hello, what is that? Mm -hmm. What does that look like to you guys? Does that look like you have a little your boss? Boss, yeah, your phone. Your phone's yeah, your like, boss. Yeah. yeah, there's you know, but anyway. So yeah, so that's that's what's out there. I guess next twenty chips. I'm gonna have all a right, score. Jeff. I'll real give quick, you guys an give me give me a quick quick thought process on that. On which? I think essentially oh. that 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 independence is an illusion because that that same functionality is i'm sure easily added to any of the platforms whether it be uber lyft or or doordash with or without our consent um, these kind of things you know again this innovation comes in controlling us monitoring us data managing us and and ultimately manipulating, coercing, and exploiting us, uh, when they come out with the features that get you paid more, I'll be really, really fascinated to see them. And I've, I've yet to see any of those get paid more features. Uh, that's not what they talk about in DoorDash engineering. That's not what they talk about in Uber and Lyft engineering is how do we get drivers paid more? And you know, that's, that's not in their interest, that's in our interests. And we've got a real problem here with the gig economy because our leverage is is lower than any employee class before us. So I, I don't know how this ends. I think we all have to think about this every day and just the fact that it was that it was created during a pandemic and really took hold in our society doesn't mean it can last forever. Maybe this is a good model and we'll keep it going. Maybe we decide this is a model that's only abused. I don't I don't know, but I think we really need to again, it's it's user beware. If you're gonna log uh, on to a gig uh, app and you're uh, earning money. I mean, you know, uh, I, 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 so when we give you guys the floor, just like keep it brief, please. Um, um, so what, what do we have next? I think we have a segment that they're both gonna like, but is that the like lowest of the law? Is that what we have? Well, we're, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna segue into that right now. So yeah, gonna, yeah. essentially, you hold on. We're talking about the uh, ways that it, that Lyft is actually trying to save money by lowering insurance costs because they want drivers to drive better. You know, if you drive better, you could potentially make an argument to, you know, get lower costs and in turn saves you money because you can still collect the same from the rider. You pay driver less and, you know, you're pocketing a little bit more. So I think that's part of what they're trying to do. But the other thing too is the 
amount that they're going to start squeezing drivers. And that is some of these lowball offers that just get more and more ridiculous. You know, I, I, every morning when I wake up and I open up Facebook, and I scroll through, you know, part of my feed is the different Uber and Lyft groups that are there. And everybody's got screenshots that are popping up. And it's, it's just bewildering at how low <laughs> some of these offers are. It's like, if you accept these offers, then I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I can help you because the whole thing is you are declining your own worth. Something that we always say, know your worth and decline garbage. When you're getting these lowball offers and, you know, some of these could be high paying. They could be 115, you know, that they're going to be offering you. But the thing is, it's two hours and 15 minutes of your time and it's a 125 or a 200 mile trip or something like that. And they're offering you, you basically 50 cents a mile. Um, so yeah. those so, types of things you really got to pay attention to. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I'm just going to go through this real quick. So Uber, Uber started, you know, introducing Uber Eats reservations now, believe it or not, uh, and deliveries from Walmart in my area anyway. I guess they're trying to compete with Spark or whatever. Um, so they put it in your opportunities, meaning opportunities when it goes in there, it's a reservation. Okay, so you can accept the reservation and then, you know, do whatever it says that you're going to do. So, so, uh, uh, you know, this is this is sent to me by a driver. The, the, the right two screenshots are my own, but the one in the, the second one is a real deal. Right. Look at this, Kim. What do you think about this? You think you're going to do this order? You have to be online 40 minutes before for a reservation and it pays you dollar eleven. Yeah, no, it's not. This is not a joke. This is not Photoshop. Dollar eleven. Ridiculous. They put this actually on the Uber app. This is a reservation to deliver bagels or or or, or donuts or whatever. But this is no joke. This is real. This is gonna come. It's gonna be nationwide pretty soon. Oh boy. How about trip radar? <laughs> I have trip radar by me and it is literally the crap of the crap orders that no one is taking and they shout it like they shoot it out to like five people and yeah. they try to keep upping it but still by them upping it they're still not good orders i think the lowest i've seen in my market so far with uber eats is an add-on for a dollar fifty and i'm like yeah. who's taking a dollar fifty seriously a dollar fifty is regular occurrence now in la yeah. for add-ons I've seen a whole mm -hmm. bunch of them for myself on, you know, when I'm doing it. So the second and third, third and fourth screenshot, you know, Walmart delivery, four stops, 46 minutes, and it's going to pay me 11 and $11 and 12 cents. That's gross people. I got to spend gas on that one. The next one is third, 29 minutes. Again, four stops for $8 and 33 cents. These are all like, you keep popping up nonstop in my opportunities. And then every time something pops up, the mental game that you play, right? You click on it because you see a message on your app saying, oh, you have an opportunity. And then the human brain goes, oh, shit, I have an opportunity. I wonder what it is. And you're always thinking it's something good. No, of course not. Look at this one. Right? I mean, the last one, 33 minutes, $7.80. Hey, Dara, um, you know, with all due respect, I mean, you're the CEO and all. You're in Ukraine right now. But I I'm talking to you here. How do I get to this $37 an hour active number that you're boasting about with this $7.80 delivery that I have to stop four times in 33 minutes? How do I get to 37? I mean, in my world, that's fuzzy math. It doesn't work. So, and then the first screenshot, 
Again, Zoom sent it to me, um, or I don't know who sent it to me, actually. So look at this chip, okay? Remember, Chris, a couple weeks ago, we put up that Lyft is giving you a choice, like in preferences that Uber does, giving mm -hmm. you a choice to do shared rides or not shared rides, right? And then there was like the color play. If you did shared rides, you know, your meter was all green all the way up. And then if you didn't mm -hmm. do shared rides, it was like red and yellow, right? right. Warning, warning, you're not going to get any trips. Yep. So look at this. This is a shared ride trip. I know why he's doing it. That That's his reasons. But just the amount of work that's involved. So his door was open and shut, assuming there was only one passenger, six times. So there is a pick passenger A, B, A, C, C, B. So that's the order of pickup and drop off. This guy picked up three people, dropped off three people at three different addresses. It, this, this whole shebang lasted 13 minutes and 27 cents. And it was 2.53 miles, and he got paid $3.69. Ooh, breaking in that dough. So we're breaking we're breaking records today on the wrong side. <laughs> so wow. three pickups, three drop-offs for $3.69, which comes to, I figured, about a buck twenty-three or so each. I think that's a lot cheaper than a bus fare. And uh, and then the dollar eleven. I don't think we're gonna beat that, Chris. I don't think we're gonna beat the dollar eleven ever. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I, I think that is by far the uh, the lowest offer I've ever seen when it came to these orders. Yeah, yeah. So, so what do you think, Kim? How do you like the our ride share world? You like it? So you guys keep complaining about I'm, your I'm food good. delivery. Right? <laughs> I'm good with the food delivery and grocery delivery. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Yeah, this confirms that what you're doing is good yeah. because this is what we have to deal with in the right. Plus, we have to deal with people. You know, that each time that door opened and closed, there was a person coming, going in and out with a different mood probably, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he, only, he paid like $3.69 for all that work. So... Bus, we're, we're left is a bus, bus, it replaced the, you know, uh, what do you call it? Public transportation now, there you go. <laughs> like, here you go, man. Yeah, man, yeah. I mean, shared, shared has the potential if it wasn't like a safety issue, but the, the, that type of, of cost that you're going to receive, oh, God, no. Thank God they don't have that in my area. What is this world coming to, man? I mean, seriously. But you know what? They do it because they can, but then you have to resist the temptation of accepting garbage. There you go. Yep. Decline garbage right there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So here's the thing. That's what it comes down to. Know your worth. Decline yeah. garbage. Because these are not worth your time. And the only way that Uber and Lyft's algorithm said that they're going to learn is that it's machine learning algorithms. So you have to train it. You have to tell it, I am not going to take that shit. And nope. if you don't take it, well, they're going to have to either up the cost uh, and up the pay of what they're going to offer uh, or some customers are not going to be too happy because they're not going to get picked up or their food's going to get cold. Food's definitely going to get cold. Guaranteed. <laughs> For $1.11? Oh, my God, yeah. No hot bag's going to keep that cold and warm. Oh, you have a hot bag? I don't have one of those. I don't mess you don't with any of that stuff. I don't have any of that stuff. Are you crazy? <laughs> I was like, bro, <laughs> what hot bag? I'm, I, I have invested enough. I'm using my car. So I appreciate that I'm even bringing it to you. So I'm okay. It's okay. <laughs> Jeff, no, 20 no, seconds. No, what do you, no, you got to say about those, those crappy offers? None of that stuff. Yeah. I, I think just looking at the economics of it for a moment, realize that, that because all of the business risk, the time risk, the driving risk, the insurance risk, the inflation risk, all the risk is on the, the gig worker and the driver of the vehicle. Yeah. 
it really doesn't matter to these corporations if some of those orders go by the wayside because they they get a they get a percentage of the total they're not measuring themselves on customer satisfaction or getting orders delivered or happy smiles or tips and so i think i think when we look at that stuff it's important to say who does it make sense to and why and it makes sense to these companies because they get a percentage of the gross they don't care yeah well mm -hmm. the other thing the other thing is i did actually that's a good point i did an article with a restaurant i, inter I interviewed three restaurant owners and managers you know, the biggest problem they have is like when these orders don't get picked up, they, you know, Uber and DoorDash or, or the Grubhub, they simply charge back. They go like, hey, we'll just deduct it. We'll still charge you the 30% on the shit that we're delivering. But we're not, if, if it doesn't get delivered, you get the charge back on that. And then, and then the restaurant owner goes, that's a total loss for me. Like if somebody orders 60, 50 dollars worth of food and there's no tip and the driver doesn't do it. And then let's say some sucker accepts it and takes it to their place. And then, but then the customer complains that it was cold. Then, you know, a restaurant has to eat it. Then the DoorDash or Uber Eats says, yeah, keep the food. And then the restaurant gets, gets, you know, gets the hit, which is not cool at all. But it is. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's why I simply just go and pick up my food. It's going to be fresh, I'm hot, and, and good. But, yeah. you know, but, you know we're not we're not all delivering to Bon Jovi and the governor of New Jersey, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you we're, know, we're in like a poor schmo neighborhood and just, you know, trying to just climb up three stairs to deliver a burrito, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? This goes into a different into the next segment of, of what we're going to be talking about. And that is, you know, drivers are at a breaking point at the time. And, you know, they, they, they're trying to resort to to somehow you know get some sort of relief and what's going on in minneapolis if if you don't know uh, we're going to be talking about that and that is essentially um they are looking at the city council to create an ordinance in order to have you know better pay and driver protections and things like that so uh you know this this might end up going somewhere where you have to go to a local uh city and you know get things started that's kind of what happened in seattle uh, yep. And then Seattle had their law uh, that went into effect that had, you know, a plethora of amazements. And then it went to the entire state of Washington, uh, where oh, I don't even what is it like a dollar fifty something right now, which is which is great for for the average person. Yep. And uh, I mean, <laughs> so 60 yeah, cents a minute too. 60 cents a minute, 60. Yeah. That's quite a good point. So, um, yeah, if you want to talk about the uh, what what rideshare drivers are doing when it comes yeah. to the well, I mean, you know, this is this. I mean, that you know, this is the front page of the article. Um, you know, Minnesota has been actually one of the between Chicago and Minnesota, they're competing in carjacking. So, um, obviously, safety is one issue, and then pay is another issue with drivers. That's been going on for years now, right? I mean, as we do our surveys, the top two complaints are pay and safety. So this hits on both. And then, you know, hopefully, I mean, hopefully the, the, the local legislature has some balls and then they go in and say, hey, man, come to the table. we got to talk about this. And then that's the only way these companies are going to come to the table. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they're going to do what they do best. You know, they're going to manipulate. They're going to, you know, whatever they do, exploit or, as Jeff says, and labor launder. And, and they're going to try to make money. I mean, look, they're in the they're they're trying to make money you're trying to make money so our 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 goals are diametrically opposed to each other the only way they can make money is charge as much as they can 
and pay as little as they can. And then, well, that's us. So on the next one, actually, there were a couple of comments. You know, this Freddie Gorstein guy, you know, you know, this guy was the same guy in New York, too. Remember? Um, yep. Well, over, Freddie says, hey, Freddie, um, or whoever it is watching now, uh, said in a statement that it's our hope that we can work with drivers and local elected officials to deliver a package of benefits, bullshit, um, <clears throat> and <laughs> that improve the driver experience while maintaining flexibility, as we have done elsewhere. Elsewhere being Washington State, Seattle, mm -hmm. and all, these, all the other cities. We'll look forward to reviewing the city council proposed policy. So all I'm saying to the city council of, uh, you know, uh, Minneapolis, please, please, just go copy the Seattle model. Everybody will be very happy. Yeah. And then on the, on the third page, Lyft made a comment. Lyft says, Lyft cares deeply about drivers. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and we work hard to ensure our platform offers valuable blah, blah, blah. In fact, look at this one, Chris. Come on, Chris. Was this, we right, hold, hold on, I got to cut you off real quick. If there's anybody watching this right now, whether you're in the live chat or whether you're you know watching the replay and you're looking at this, uh, send this send this part to your city council because we want to clarify and make sure that your city council knows some of the tactics and language that they're using in order to make it seem like it's a lot better than what it actually is. So we want to clarify this right now when it yep. comes down to it. Uh, when it says 35 per utilized hour, a city council member is not going to know what that means. Essentially, yep. that means when you are in period two and three, when you're on the way to pick somebody up and you have a butt in the seat, it doesn't count all the time that you're waiting for a ride to come in. So that whole period one, it doesn't count that. So yep. somebody could be active for 15 minutes in that hour, but for the other 45 minutes, they're sitting there unpaid. So this is something that drivers and city council really need to pay attention to when it comes down to it, especially when it comes to that. So any Minneapolis uh, people that are watching, uh, again, cut this segment right here and share it with your city council and let them know exactly what they're talking about. So then these terms that they're using, they know the ins and outs because unfortunately city Congress or city council, they're not driving. They don't know. They don't know the lingo. They don't know language. And we want to help them know what the language I'll actually is. I'll give you the math on this, Chris. Okay. To any city councilman who's going to watch this or in the future or whoever is watching this at the moment is this. So assume I did a trip or a delivery. Okay. It took me exactly 15 minutes from the time I picked up the food or the passenger to the time I dropped them off. That's called utilized hour. That's called active hour in these people's world. Okay. And it paid me nine bucks, 15 minutes for nine bucks. Now, Lyft or Uber or DoorDash or whoever it is, they can take that $9 for 15 minutes, multiplies times four. That gets me to $36 an hour per utilized hour, per active hour. And they can say this, which is wrong because we know, we know, nobody in the country at the moment is making 35 plus dollars you can mass wise but you are not making it online time guaranteed you're not nobody is but what they do is this is like this shouldn't even be allowed to be done this way chris right i mean mm -hmm. if i do one trip and it took me 15 minutes and the rest of the 45 minutes i'm empty i'm waiting for another customer okay or an order and as the company like lyft and uber can say 
Oh, you made you, the drivers are making 35 per utilized hour. Well, what happened to my 45 minutes that I didn't do anything? Right? You can extrapolate this, you can annualize things, you can do all the math, fuzzy math you can do. But you know, this is not kosher when they put up oh 35 plus per utilized hour, including tips and bonuses, by the way. I'm like, utilized hour is meaningless, bro. I'm sitting here. I did one trip for took me 15 minutes for nine bucks, and you're gonna bring that to 35 bullshit that's what i call that one that's what that what kind of math that is so don't buy this 35 plus utilized per hour city councilman or women in minnesota because it's not true it may be true i don't know you know they have the data i'm sure but 30 you can yeah, get the 35 many different ways and very easily the big thing is though it does not reflect the actual time a driver is online not and it doesn't all. take into account the time that they're waiting for a ride to come in or an order to come in, whether it's on Uber, whether it's on Lyft or another platform. Yeah. So that's the lingo that they try to use mm. in order to make it sound like it's better than what it actually might. Not only that, because this is the slowdown period, there's less people you know, taking rides, there's less people ordering rides, so demand for it has gone down. But there's also a big supply at the moment, uh, and there's more supply coming because there's layoffs, people are trying to make money uh, so that means out of the pie that you have you know the, the slice of pie gets smaller and smaller for each driver that's online at that same time so you could have 100 drivers online and only 80 rides are coming in which means 20 drivers are sitting there at any given time and that's going to fluctuate all the time so a driver who is actually online uh, that is not necessarily the same as what utilized again that's utilized hours only when they're going to pick up somebody because they had a request to come in, they accepted it, they're on the way there, or they have a butt in the seat and they're actually transporting them from point A to point B. It's like how you, you Kim, you're, you're, when you're doing DoorDash, right? Dash time versus you know active time, how it fluctuates massively, maybe in your city not, but my utilization factor when I do delivery is like 48%, right? So that means half the hour, I'm not doing anything. Yeah, my... You know, utilized hour rates. I'm I'm doing like forty eight bucks an hour utilized. Yeah, but then on online time for all the hours I'm out there, I'm doing half as much because my utilization rate is fifty percent or forty eight percent. So when these companies come out and erroneously say, "Oh, utilized hour thirty five plus dollars," I'm like, I, "What do you think I'm doing the rest of the time? Lyft or Uber? You think I'm just mm -hmm. kind of sitting there and twiddling my fingers? No, you yeah. can't just extrapolate and take." Check your numbers to a point that is not even valid. I mean, to be honest with you, but they do yeah. it. They do it. The and it's false the advertising thing, at best, actually. Yeah. And the one thing I'm going to say, too, is again, if any council member does end up watching this, uh, look at the Seattle, Washington, and the state of Washington's model. Uh, they yep. put together something that is to both Sergio and myself uh, exceeded our expectations and something that I think should be modeled after across the country. Uh, Lyft even mentioned that, by the way, on that comment, Lyft, the, the Lyft spokesperson mentioned mm -hmm. Seattle, literally. And, and I'm glad they did because maybe they are looking into it. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so, yeah, that's where we are. Any comments from Kim or Jeff? Quickly. Go ahead, Jeff. The issue of... of uh, projected pay 
is really sticky. DoorDash has done the same thing, throwing out numbers in their ads of $22 an hour or $24 an hour or all different numbers. Um, the fact is they're gaming with these numbers and anybody uh, that looks at projections from the companies themselves should question it. And ultimately, I think these companies are going to find themselves on the wrong side of a lawsuit because they are playing funny math with the numbers. They don't add up, as they say. And, and in franchises, in the franchise world, you can't get anyone to tell you what you will make when you buy a franchise because there's laws against that. And they're doing the same thing here, but they're deceiving us. There's no laws against deceiving gig workers, and that's what they're doing. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, right here, hold on. Uh, we got a comment that said, I'd like to go to my city council, but Uber and Lyft, I thought, were governed by the state. They're not governed by anybody. They're not governed yeah. by anybody. Okay, uh, any not. any or any city uh any any town can create an ordinance uh and that's exactly what happened in seattle seattle started it and then it went into the state of washington uh because seattle had made the changes uh the state of washington it got pushed into as well too uh so yeah i mean this is something where drivers could start potentially going into city councils and trying to talk to council members and seeing if they can get something uh, put on the books that's going to, to be something similar to the Seattle model or something different completely. Uh, it, it, it's going to be an interesting time, that's for sure. Yep. All right, next one. All right. Um, so let's move on and uh, talk about the next little thing, and that is the Uber Pro, or I'm sorry, the Uber debit card update. Um, so yeah. if you want to talk about this one real quick, Serge. Yeah, I mean, you know, we they all want to push us into the Uber uh, Pro debit card. Um, they increased the instant cash out fee from uh, to 85 cents from 55 cents. And, you know, they have their reasons for it, I'm sure. But um, from, from in my app, you know, and, you know, this is the advantage of being a driver. You get all this stuff in your app. So you, when you talk about it, you're actually talking facts. Um, so it says, uh, you know, they're changing the Uber debit card now. There's no more. Um, new terms and conditions are coming with it. The, it's going to be, you know, the, your debit card is going to go to GoBank debit card instead of the Uber. Instant pay, free cash outs will be, thank you, Carol, 818. Um, so $0.85 cents will be charged for cash outs to make to GoBank, GoBank, GoBank debit card. I don't know why they're changing it. I'm sure there's something going on. Cashback through the Uber debit card will no longer be supported. I'm like, okay, then why the heck am I having, why do, why do I even have the Uber debit card then? And then backup balance, they had a backup balance of hundred bucks and that's that's gone as well because GoBank, I guess, does not allow you to do any of these things that Uber sold before or a couple of weeks ago, you could do all these things. Now you can't. Look, I'm not complaining. I will never get the Uber debit card, um, you know, just for the rideshare side anyway. I mean, I may get their shop and pay card like you know the doordash red card or whatever but i will never ever ever get the uber debit card and no. we had a segment on this before a lot of drivers are having issues because right after each trip they're supposed to credit this debit card it's not happening most of the time they're short so i'm going to stay away from it but then um one of our viewers who was on our um, um town hall got scammed so chris is going to talk about that yeah i'll and talk about that know. in a minute yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get to a pro, pro debit card. Uh, I, I'm not interested in it. I think 
you know enough about me. Uh, I don't need you to know where I'm spending my money on top of or anything else that you know about me. So there you go. Oh yeah, for sure. But the whole thing was they, they were trying to entice people to get this card in order to give certain benefits and then all of those benefits have just gone. So now your instant cash out, 85 cents. Welcome back to the 85 cent club. Yep. Um, and if you only get five per day, um, and then, uh, you know, the, the cash back is gone and the backup balance is gone. So, so what benefit would you have to take that bank and use that card anymore? There's, there's zero. So no. stick to your own bank. You should always be doing that. Uh, and, and just like Sergio said, they, they don't need to know exactly what's going on, but um, let's go into, um, something that you should be, oh, go ahead. Just, no, just real quick. From what I know about this, they actually switched banks they're now going through branch bank instead of the the go bank so they completely switch banks which i think is interesting they're now using the bank that walmart spark uses for their banking as well so i just think that's mm. just kind of fascinating yeah good point yeah well, let's go on to uh, uh this scam um that we want to make you aware of so if you have a pro card if you don't uh, this is just something, again, we want you guys to pay attention to. Uh, yep. Basically, if somebody calls you, don't give out any information. Make sure you call them. Uh, and there, there's a couple of, we're going to go through this this email that somebody sent Sergio. Um, there, there could be a couple of explanations that I'm going to kind of go through. Um, so this person had alluded to it being in-house. I'm going to say it could potentially be something completely different. Uh, but we're going to go through through the letter real quick. And again, this is just something to make you guys aware. Uh, never give out an, any information uh, over the phone, especially to somebody who calls you or anything like that. All right, so it says, uh, hey, Serge, I want to note, notify you and the Rideshare Guy community that you got scammed. First off, sorry to say, or sorry to hear. I hope uh, things get worked out uh, and everything that way. Uh, but it says, last Saturday, January 14th, I received a phone call from Uber Support. My caller ID recognized the call. And so it'll pop up Uber Support. A customer support person by the name of David uh, stated to me that Uber owed him $40 from a claim a few months back and that Uber can pay uh, through the Uber Pro Card. So David put me on hold, even though the hold music was the same as Uber, and he walked through the Uber Pro Card steps to activate it because I didn't have it. Uh, when my Uber Pro Card got activated, my Uber account money was transferred through a phantom Uber Pro Card and I lost my $150, which was the earnings, and $100 from the Uber backup, so a grand total of $250. Uh, when I realized I got scammed, I made a claim to Uber Support and Uber Pro Card Support. Uh, the discouraged thing about it is the following. One, I can drive, but since I owe the 100 backup balance, I need to pay first before I can change my payment method, and two, not drive Uber until it's resolved. Um, I'm not sure how that works, because it says I can drive, and then it says not drive Uber. So I'm not sure that aspect, but um, the good thing is it's only 150 and I know uh, I'm going to get that back hopefully in two weeks. Uh, I believe that I was targeted because I didn't have an Uber Pro card. So please put the word out there, uh, drivers who don't have the card. Uh, I know this was an inside job from Uber support to have somebody contact you and call our ID, recognize it. Plus the on-hold music is the same. Also notifications when you get Uber support needs to recognize you via pin numbers. And then it goes on, um, that and it says uh keep up the good work with you and chris appreciate that thank you uh now if the uber support 
uh, calls to verify something. I don't trust them anymore, but I'm worried if I don't verify my account, my account will be put on hold or deactivated. Uh, I had another situation about two months back when I was around a Van, nu Van Noyes airport. I got a ping and accepted it. The person I was picking up was La Jefa, a female boss in Spanish. Uh, when I went to pick up destination around an alley at the airport, Uber support called and said a passenger notified us that someone pretending to be you is using your account and driving the car. Come on, Uber. Uh, come on. And Uber support said not to worry. They always get calls like this because passengers want freebies. I needed to verify my account. But again, luckily, nothing happened. First off, change your password if you haven't already. Number one, for at least this person who is, uh, had emailed us, change your password. Change everything there um, and make sure all of your data uh, be on high alert because even if you verify certain information, um, you know, Uber's not going to call you. They're going to do different ways to contact you. They're going to send you an email in the app. They're going to send you an email on your actual email account that's associated with your account. And they're also going to uh, contact you the other way, whether that's text uh, or a phone call. But 99% of the time, Uber is not going to call you. They will call you on critical safety issues. And that's really about it. Um, when it comes to verifying, 99.99% it is going to be a scam. Hang up the call and call Uber support back yourself. Um, if you want to even, if, you, if you're fearful that you could be deactivated or have some issue, say, hey, look, I don't, uh, I've had problems before. I'm going to hang up this call. I'm going to call you back. And if everything's okay, well, then we'll know for sure if I have to verify anything at that point. Um, if somebody is pressuring you to do something immediately, again, that is another red flag for it being a scam. And the the, the one thing where I kind of don't want to say this sounds like necessarily an inside job, uh, it could be. It very well could be because, you know, some of these call centers do run illegal ops out of their call centers. It's a true thing. It happens a lot in India. Uh, it is a real bad problem. And that's how a lot of these scam centers actually are able to operate because in the front office, they are doing legitimate call center work. So it could potentially be that. Uh, I am going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say it might not be because there are things that people can do in order to mask their number and appear as somebody else. If they were a driver beforehand or if they're they're working with somebody, they could be in your area. They could be somewhere else uh, and, you know, using GPS manipulation in order to get matched with you and then contact you via that way. Uh, there are different ways to make it seem like it's coming from support versus not. Another thing, if the customer is going to call you, it's going to come through an Uber number. It's going to. And then sometimes you're going to hear, hey, this is a call from passenger. Don't give out any information, but you don't always get that. Uh, so that is something to watch out for. Anytime somebody calls you, hang up the phone, call the place back with the number that you have, whether that's in the app itself, uh, and then again, if there's in-app mess messages or in-app notifications, if there's emails sent to you, those are all the points of contact, how they're going to try to contact you in, in multiple different ways if there is a potential issue. But again, if somebody's pressuring you, if you're they're trying to get you to do something, if they're going to credit your account for whatever reason, they're just going to do it. It's just going to pop up one day. There it is. There's been plenty of times where I've opened up my app 
and had extra money in there because of something that happened, whether it's a late yeah. tip that came in, whether it was a correction, that does happen time to time. Um, so things do happen. Uh, and then again, if anything like this ever happens, just please be aware, pay attention, never ever allow somebody to uh, manipulate you that way. Always call yeah. yeah. back. You also, I mean, you have the phishing scams, as you guys know. So this is what I do personally. I literally change my Uber passport every week, literally, okay? Number one, I mean, what's the harm? Just do it. Number two, I've gotten these calls before. What I do is I go, I'm driving. I can't talk to you right now. Give me your number. I'll call you back. I call him back. The number doesn't even exist, okay? You got to you gotta scam him back. I mean, you, you, you guys cannot be that gullible and just give your information because this is, oh, I'm David from Uber Support. I go, go F yourself, and then give me your number. I'll call you back. That's how you have to be. You guys giving these guys too much respect anyway, you know, and, and, and to me, you know, unfortunately this driver got scammed. Hey, it was only 150 bucks, but 150 bucks hard earned cash, right? For probably his whole day's work. So, you know, hopefully he learned. And, uh, but you know, we're doing this just to tell you guys do, you know, Uber. I mean, we talked to Uber. I'm not going to deny it. They say, we don't call, you know, we, we don't call. Mm -hmm. And if they say that I'm taking their word for it. Yeah. So if Uber during, calls, the only time the only time they call is during a critical safety. Yeah, and that well, is you know, they feel like, they feel like a crash happened, right? Because they have the gyroscope. You know, they can they can figure out if the car comes to a really sudden stop from thirty miles an hour or so, they will call you and say they think you're in an accident, or hmm. you know, if you're just stationary, if you're in a stuck in traffic, you know, and if the passenger has follow my ride or follow my trip activated, they will send you a you know text through email saying or through the app saying, "Are you okay? Is everything fine?" But they will never call you. I mean, Uber, I've no, never heard of it. So. Anytime ever dealing with money, that's the biggest red flag when it comes down to it. So if anybody says anything about money and they're, they're claiming their support, whether it's DoorDash, Uber, oh. Lyft, hang up the phone and you can call the actual support back and they're going to tell you, no, we didn't yep. call you for any reason. I agree. Um, and and the, like I say, if, if they're going to give you a credit for anything, they're just going to put it in. Uh, or they're going to put it in the app and then email you and let you know saying, hey, there's a bonus or something available for you. And if you want to take it up on this, this is what you got to do. That's really it. That's the only way they're going to do it. Other than that, uh, but the, the other thing too, like right now I could pick up my phone, I could call Sergio and mask it as Uber support. So even though it comes in as Uber support, doesn't mean it's going to be. So that's, yeah. that's again, always tell them, I'm busy, trusting. I'll call you back. That's it, you know, that's it, simple. Exactly. Yep. All right. So let's, uh, if you guys have like a quick 10, 15 second thing on that, otherwise we're going to get into some funnier no, let's stuff. Just, let's get uh, to the funnies, bro. That's because this yeah. is so funny. This made me laugh for like a solid 15 minutes. My, <laughs> sides, were, my sides were hurting. Not this one. <laughs> we, 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 we could do this one. This is a conversation that Uber, I mean, a Lyft uh, driver had with support. I get these all the time. This is semi-funny because of the Lyft response. So... This is about Lyft not showing this driver the destination of the passenger, right? It goes back and forth, back and forth. You go, you know, about a cancellation and then, you know, all this good stuff. And then, um, oh, this is this is the wrong one, Chris. I don't know. This is the one you sent me. Okay, no, forget this one then. This is the wrong one. Okay, let's go to the funny one and then we're going to end up there. So, um, you guys got to really focus on this one. There's two of them, right? So, this I saw on Twitter. This, this hit me so funny 
that the official Airbnb and Uber customer support playbook, okay? Now, it's kind of small, but you guys have to deal with it. But do you guys see all the arrows are just going to ignore on the left side? <laughs> yeah. So so it goes, you know, if they call you, uh, did, you know, did they did they tweet about it? Did they go, you know, did, did they go public with it? They got one of the support agents says, oh, shit, you know, ignore, ignore. every All the world it goes to ignore or suspend, one or the other one, right? So I know Jeff, our buddy, is working on an Uber support article. Um, if anybody, can anybody say anything positive about Uber, Lyft, DoorDash support? Uh, I'm all ears, okay? So email me, Sergio, at the guy.com because I don't think Actually, you know what? Has... I, I did one you time. Had? You have something uh, positive? Two, well, two times. One, uh, when a passenger got in my face because they had too many and they, they <laughs> were playing a trick. Um, they were getting a little tricky. If, if you want to see that, that's on my other channel. Um, you can go go watch that. But yeah, they got in the face and I made a uh, report right to Uber uh, right after it happened. And then by time, like I was literally trying to call them because uh, I was going to make the report, put it in that on paper. Within that time frame, they called me. And that that's where I say they're going to call you in a critical safety uh, yeah. issue because that actually was. Um, so that right there uh, was actually a real positive experience in my, my uh, oh, okay. personal All experience. Right. All right. Uh, and yeah. then the other time, Somebody reported me uh, that I was tired behind the wheel. And I'm like, um, I literally just got on, on the road. And this is the time I normally start driving. And I had two rides. I knew exactly what the one was. And it's like, well, the first per you do realize that the second person I just dropped off, why don't you call them and see if I was tired or not? Or I could play you back the dash cam footage if you'd like to see. They're like, well, we can't really do anything about it right now. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I just stayed on uh, lift the rest of the night. And then the next day, or two days, whatever it was, um, they credited my account in hundred bucks. So huh. I'm going to say, Hey, you know, I, I actually had some good experiences with it. Sometimes though, uh, it, it's going to be a runaround, especially when it comes to like other, other things. So 99 out of hundred, buddy, 99 out of hundred is a heart attack. There's a stroke <laughs> to happen. I go like, Oh, thank you for, thank you for being a platinum driver over support. Um, can I help you? I'm like, uh, yeah, it just, this is, this is bad. And then they go, oh, let me let me speak to, you know, we'll have to escalate this to the next department that doesn't exist. Uh -huh. The next department that doesn't exist. I'm like, go off yourselves or whatever. But this is, this is, we got to finish on a high note, okay? So this is a text message back and forth. <laughs> this is real. With a passenger and a driver. Excel driver. Excel meaning like he has a minivan type of a car, okay? So this is the passengers texting the driver. <laughs> she goes, Hello. I'm carrying an 86-inch TV. <laughs> she, goes, she goes, I want to make sure it'll fit in your car. <laughs> this is no joke. This is real. Okay? Oh. And then the driver goes, driver goes, I'm not a moving company. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do it. You know, and, and he goes, please cancel to the passenger. So this is what we're down to now. We're 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 moving TVs around. So she bought an 86 inch Walmart TV. She didn't think of how she's gonna get it home. She doesn't want to pay the I guess, I guess the 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 the, the delivery fee is more than an Uber XL. <laughs> she ordered <laughs> an Uber. She's expecting the guy to put this thing in his car, okay? And she then the passenger to... goes. The passenger goes. I can't cancel. If not, they will charge me. So she's worried about that three five dollar cancellation fee. 
Oh, well. Think about this, man. <laughs> well, Your poor planning is not my problem. Yeah. And then and then the, the driver goes, you call the Uber, not U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the driver goes, not my fault. And then the passenger goes, yes. And then <laughs> and then she goes, Def- <laughs> definitely your fault <laughs> to the passenger. He goes, I, I, I'm not a moving company. And then the, I, I, I emailed back and forth with them. So they had a Mexican standoff. He wouldn't cancel. She wouldn't cancel. <laughs> they were all tied up for like 45 minutes until he, and then he called Uber support, actual Uber support, and said, hey man, this, this woman wants to carry an 86 inch TV on top of my car because it won't fit in it anyway. And I don't want my car to get scratched. He goes, she won't cancel. I will not cancel. I want my money. Because it's her fault, and then finally Uber canceled and gave this guy, you know, his, his few bucks, or I think it's three three twenty five for cancellation or whatever mm-hmm. that is. At this so, point, I just go. say go to the cancel. I was gonna say, does she want it set up in her apartment or house too while she's at it? Because that's, that's what it next, sounds yeah, like. That's the next, uh, yeah, level that's, service. That's that's the, the, yeah, that's 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 the uh, the hold my hand service that yeah. Uber is about to and offer. And a foot massage. <laughs> and a foot massage. Yeah. And then while while we're driving, they're in the back seat. They extend their feet into the console and then we'll give him a foot massage that's what we're gonna do <laughs> oh boy so there you go well, that, that's what i get to look forward to now now that i have an xl so <laughs> oh, yeah you're gonna carry tvs now there you go yeah oh no <laughs> no i won't <laughs> i'll flat out tell them i'll be like nope i'm not your mover yeah, i'm not your uber yeah. mover that's what this guy said the guy said i'm not you haul <laughs> you called an uber not you haul <laughs> there you go yeah, that's what we have to deal with. All right, there we go. Yeah, did you want to go back to that uh, that string then, real quick? Which that one? Text, that text string. No, that actually, I sent you the wrong one. Uh, so oh, okay. uh, yeah, because I had two of them, and then I this this is actually I'm working on this too. But that that yeah, we'll finish with this one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well. Uh, <sighs> good show. Thank you guys for coming on uh, and enjoying and staying and hanging out. Um, so yeah, la- any any last comments, uh, Jeff and Kim? Uh, we'll give you guys a minute each uh, on anything you want to say. No, just thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and fun, and you know what? Everybody, best of luck and wishes during January because we're all in it together. Yep, great. Thank you, Kim. Thank you for Thanks, showing Kim. up. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Jeff. Last minute. Thank you. Uh, pleasure joining y'all and and uh, encourage folks to uh, download the audiobook available on iTunes and Amazon and, and Substack, all the different platforms, as well as you can read the book on, on Substack and there's more chapters coming out uh, as the book heads toward finish. So uh, really nice sharing with everyone wish everyone the best luck this year stay safe and and uh look forward to continuing to watch everyone uh develop as we get through this thank you Jeff. much appreciated um i i'm definitely encourage everybody to go read the book or the listen to the podcast at least or there is a um audio version of it it's really really well done okay and he he definitely raises great points but then we have what we have and you know a lot of people are in a desperate situation they have to do what they have to do to feed their families i don't blame them but at least you know what you're dealing with and this book clearly explains what you're dealing with so uh thank you for both coming on and um buddy is there anything else (laughs) no that's that's all that's uh we got for this week uh again uh thanks to today's sponsor legal rideshare 
you're in an accident or need any help or anything, again, link's going to be in the description below for them. Uh, again, thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Kim, thank you. Zach as well, who was on yeah. earlier uh, during that segment. So we appreciate that. And then Kim and Jeff hanging out a little bit more, kind of giving their thoughts, even though it might not be uh, uh, necessarily rideshare driving, but, you know, still have some thoughts on some of the craziness. And, you know, sometimes things can morph into the other side of things. So with that being said, we'll see you guys next week. Uh, we have Bryant from Legal Rideshare coming on. So if there are any questions that you want to ask, uh, you can either get hold of Sergio or put it in the yep. live chat in the comments. Uh, we will try to see if we can get some. Somebody also asked if I got a hybrid. No, I didn't. The reason why is you can't get them. I needed something uh, much quicker when it came to it. Uh, and honestly, it's better gas mileage than my Jeep was 10 years ago. So I'm okay with it. But beyond that, all right, guys, everybody uh, go out there, make some money, be smart. Definitely and... decline garbage. Yeah. And don't pay attention to the crap out there uh, and the tactics that they use. Uh, yeah. If you got any questions or anything, obviously you can always ask us. Uh, we can kind of give you two cents. So, all right, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys.